Okay. Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed. And uh, since we're doing the sixth step, that's what we've been talking about. Just explore the six-step prayer in your mind silently. But do it in tune with your breathing. So find a way to say the prayer on the in and the out breaths. you're done, gently open your eyes. Take a moment before you start moving around and getting all back into the universe of the material world. Just take a moment and just become aware that your eyes are seeing. Just become aware of the seeing that's happening. Not so much what you're seeing, just the idea that seeing is happening through your eyes to your mind. So I'm Randy, I'm alcoholic. <laughs> we meet so often now. It seems funny to me that some of you have heard me say this so many times, but I'm allergic to alcohol. My body is allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again. I have to say that because it's my truth. And it's one of the guiding factors for the way that I'm going to live my life today. Because for me, to drink is to die. And so I better be aware and conscious that drinking is not an option for me because I'm going to get into some emotional pain. And the reason I'm going to get into emotional pain is because I still have a disease, a mental illness called alcoholism. I still have it. And if I don't acknowledge that I'm allergic to alcohol and do the treatment that's necessary to not be affected by alcoholism, I will get in enough emotional pain where I will start thinking about how to treat that pain. It might start with a cup of coffee. It might start with a bag of sugar. It might start with a little extracurricular gambling or, or a unsatiable desire for some sex. Anything to get me out of the pain of my mind, which talks to me in the moment now, right now, all the time in my own voice. And so the disease is constantly manifesting in my life as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind. It's coupled with this infantile ego that's always in a hurry and easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. 
So if I don't treat the disease, that's what I'm going to have today. No doubt about it. It's not a, there, there's no question about if I'm going to have alcoholism. I have it. It's just a question of how restless and irritable and discontent am I going to be today? What is going to be the thing that sets me off? Is it, is it going to be having to pay a big bill? Or is it going to be uh, some thinking somebody's cut me off on the freeway? Or is it going to be uh, not getting the paycheck that I thought I deserved or that I was expecting to be in the mail? Uh, what is it? What is it? There's always something... And everybody that I've ever worked with has a thing that's their thing. My thing is money. It's always around money. I have a, a good relationship with my wife. Pretty pretty good. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's spectacular, but on any given day, I, I'm, I'm very happy to be married and to be in this relationship. Uh, there are days where my mind tells me that I, it's not right and I need a different one. But But my thing is money. If I have to pay a bill... My mind starts talking to me about, oh, look, you're, you're spending all your money. And, and then it starts talking to me about how, about how I'm going to be broke and how soon and what it's going to look like. And then it always caps it off with, you know what, you should probably just kill yourself now. Save yourself all the trouble of the future. So anyway, that's why I'm here today. I need to treat this disease. And I love what it says in the second step. Every AA meeting is an assurance that God will restore me to sanity if I will rightly relate myself to it. So, so it's not enough to just acknowledge that I have alcoholism or that I, that I have this unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind. I have to turn that mind by rightly relating myself. I have to turn to a higher power if... I'm going to have a life where drinking isn't necessary. If I turn to me and try to figure out my whatever problem that my mind made up for the problem of the day, that causes me insanity. It causes me to start coming up with solutions to a problem that I don't even have. Because every time I center myself and I get present in this moment, every time I do that, I realize I, I'm shown or I have a sense that I have everything I need to be okay in this moment. And that's always the case, day after day after day. I've never not had it, never not had everything I needed for today. And I haven't spoken about this in a while, but if I knew when COVID started to become a thing in March, if I knew that on December 9th, that I would have the money that I have in the bank and be married to the woman that I'm married to and live in the house that I'm living in and have the car that I'm driving and have the health that I have today, if I knew on March 1st what I would have today for certainty, if I had known it, I could have been 100% relaxed about the whole thing, the whole time. I never would have had to have wasted one moment of worry about money or jobs or wives or cars or, 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 or uh, diseases. Not one minute. But my mind won't do that. My mind won't allow me to have that level of peace 
all the time. It wants, it so desperately wants to tell me how terrible everything is, or it's going to be, or how great everything is, and how it's not going to be great forever. But it does not want to live in the reality of, in this moment, I always have everything that I need. So the sixth step, the sixth step prayer, the sixth step says, it says, were, which is we were, uh, uh, were, oh, no, it doesn't say we were, it says were, were, I, I don't know how to, I don't, that's a crazy start of a sentence, were, entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So I guess if it came after five, it, it would make a little bit more sense as kind of like a run-on sentence. But I, I always thought of it as we are entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. But I'm not that good in English, but I think it would be W-E apostrophe R-E if it was we are. Uh, so we're entirely ready. So... I think it's I think it's missing an apostrophe, but I don't care. Anyway, uh, I am. I am right now. If I am practicing these steps as a way of life, I am right now entirely ready to have God remove all of my defects of character. I've identified my defects of character in four and five. My defects of character are not the seven deadly sins. Those are the results of me activating my defects of character. The defects of character are the delusions, the deep-seated lies that I believe are true, that I have, uh, that I have uh, bought into through my experience and my perception of what's happened in the world up until this moment. It's not what happened, because what happened, I don't know what happened, because I was very rarely present for what was happening. Even though the thing that was happening was bringing me pain, I was very rarely able to see the whole picture of what was happening in any given situation. I never took into account what was going on in anyone else's life when they were treating me badly. I only could relate it to they were treating me badly. So there was nothing behind it. And taking other people's inventory is, I'm an expert at taking other people's inventory and making up a story about why they're doing what they're doing, but it's just a story. I don't know why anybody does anything that they've done. I can make up a story and I can rationalize it, and then I can lock it in as my reality because I made it up. It must be true. And I have to see that these are delusions. These are lies that I tell myself that I believe are true, and I can't see that without doing four and five. But now I'm in six, and I'm entirely ready to have God remove all of my defects of character. And so, uh, again, it's my opinion. It's not... It's not ever called the six-step prayer, but I think the seven-step prayer is much more the six-step prayer than the seven-step prayer. And uh, what it says is, 
My creator, my creator again, my creator, one that has all knowledge and all power. I am now willing that you should have all of me. And the reason I'm now willing that you should have all of me is because I've seen my delusions and I've seen my fears and I've seen how they destroy my ability to have a relationship with other people. That's why I am now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. Because I also took a look at the things that happened to me that were bad, and I can see the good that's come out of them. Just as well as I can see a lot of things that happened to me that I labeled as good, and I can see the bad that's come out of them, which all of those things are based on my perception of what's good and what's bad. And evidently, I'm not a very good judge of good and bad because I can only see my little tiny picture of what's happening and why it's bad for me in the moment. So my creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, the good and the bad. I pray that you now, right now, in this moment, remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and to my fellows. That's all step six. Step seven is grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Step six is getting rid of self. Step six is, somebody said last time that step six is like step uh, two, but step six is really step three. I'm making a deeper decision now that I know who I am and all of the trouble and all of my troubles are of my own making, having seen how I react and how I act around my delusions and my fears. I'm making a deeper decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Now, based on information, based on, based on the experience of having the humility of doing four and five. All of this is just a bunch of talk, by the way. I, I mean, it's, it's, good to have the information. It's good to have the ability to, to see how these steps interact with each other. But, but what's necessary is the rightly relating right now. Because that's why I'm here today, to be reminded that I have to rightly relate myself to my higher power, that I have to take a moment and share my life with my higher power right now in order to have that experience of having that relationship. So that's all I'm going to say today. And we're going to open this up. Uh, I'm going to keep recording because people are really enjoying this, everybody sharing and everybody being on this. So 
I'm going to keep recording. If you don't want to be recorded, don't share. If you want to ask a question, you can ask a question. And if you want to uh, ask a question in the chat, then you can do that as well. And I won't read your name or anything. So it can be completely anonymous. So we're going to open the meeting up. If you'd like to share, just raise your hand. And uh, uh, we'll call on you on the order. Okay, Michael. Oops, I unmuted you, you muted you. Can You're muted. Let me try unmuting you again. I can't unmute you, Michael. You have to unmute. Oh, there you are. Here I am at last. Thanks so much, Randy. Um, you know, I've, I've really never told you this, but I just want to thank you so much for your, you know, your continuing, um, you know, sharing of your wisdom and your generosity. It really has um, moved me and touched me in so many ways that I've really come to learn so much about, um, you know, this process that we're in, in this, in this particular kind of meeting. Um, I loved reading the seven, seven step prayer and, and referring as you did to, you know, step six. Um, I really have to keep, for me, I have to keep all this stuff so simple because you said, Randy, this stuff is a lot of talk and a lot of words. And I was, I was a great talker and a great uh, uh, manipulator. You know, I could really bend things um, to my own, for my own benefit. And uh, particularly with, um, with, the, with this um, form that we're using in our workshops here, I have to really strip it right down. So I've got down now in step six, my mantra for it, and it's called ego out, God in. And that's what I hang on to for step six. I want to keep it just to that. We've said many times in this thing, my problem is up here. My solution is aligning myself with that loving higher power that only wants the best for me. I'm in the process now of dissolving a, a private corporation that I've had for the past 20 years, dealing with accountants, bookkeepers, assistants, employers. And I can go in the craziest um, cyclone of madness about it all. And you know what? Because of this meeting and because of my reading my pages on Awakening every day, and because of your suggestion to read this third step every day, I have been taken care of with such grace and beauty. It's almost, I'm sailing through it. I'm just sailing through it. Despite, you know, a couple of physical issues I'm having, they're going to be met and they're going to be dealt with. So, you know, once again, Randy, thank you so much for your, um, your always your generosity and your kindness. And again, for now, my new mantra for step six, ego out, God in. Thanks Thank a lot. You. Thanks, Michael. While you were sharing, I was doing your mantra. So I, I can hear you and do that mantra. Otherwise, my mind will wander. I usually say, God, help me hear what this person is saying. But today I'm practicing God in, ego out, as, as you all are speaking. I would encourage you to try that as well. When someone else is talking, you do that mantra, God in, ego out. All right. Start practicing. Luke? My name's Luke, I'm an alcoholic. Hi Luke. Um, yeah, I really, I mean, I can really relate to um, having a mind that has every intention of listening and 
without realizing it, I'm talking to myself about something else. Um, and I have that sort of mind that just wants to wander off the whole time. And I really picked up on that ego out, God in. I think it's great. Um, Randy, thanks so much for your share. Um, I love this meeting. Um, I think it's a really special meeting. And one thing I want to say is I've invited a friend of mine from London into the meeting. And whenever I do that, I don't know if it's like weird codependency or whatever, but I'm so like really want them to get from this meeting what I get from this meeting. <laughs> and um, it's always kind of on my mind for some reason. But um, yeah, like I heard every word you said, Randy, and I really enjoyed the meditation as well. Now, obviously during that 20 minutes, my mind wandered and then I had to kind of bring it back to the breath. And um, I did uh, I did a new meditation today, which was, is called Kundalini meditation. And um, and I, I won't go into the ins and outs of what it was, but it was it's different to the one that we, we tend to practice or that Randy kind of uh, describes. Um, and it's just amazing that like, I'm really enjoying meditation at the moment. And I think that, I'm now getting to a point where I, I, I'm becoming more playful and more interested in meditation and wanting to try different types of meditation. And I think that the more you practice it, the more you get out of it. And the more you get out of it, the more you want it, if that makes sense. And I, I feel like I'm really like um, at that place where I just, I believe in it so much, like there's so much benefit that I get from meditating and it's very difficult. Like I've got ADHD to the rooftop. Do you know what I mean? Like this was very, very hard for me at the beginning and it still wouldn't say it comes natural, but it is like a muscle that I've been working on kind of thing. And it's getting easier. It's getting more enjoyable. Um, and I'm just very aware that, you know, that I, I, there is a spirit behind my thoughts and my feelings. And, and for me, every day now, I'm, I'm, what I, my, my kind of sole priority is to keep in touch with that spirit. Because like what Randy said, it's the self that it has the opinion of what is good and what is bad. You know, I don't know what is good or what is bad, but my mind, my alcoholism will decide very quickly. Like you said, Randy, build a whole storyline around it. And, um, and I really want to stay in touch with the spirit that's behind all of that. Do you know what I mean? Understanding that I don't know. I like how when we stop meditating and Randy says, um, you know, just notice that you're seeing. And it helps me to just see things as, you know, I, I see the things in this flat all the time, but I can also see them for the first time. Do you know what I mean? Try and like look around as if everything is brand new, you know, with no story attached, no, um, but I have this mind that always wants to drag me back there. So, it, you know, but I really love this meeting. I love meditation. Um, and, and I feel like I'm going on a journey with it. I don't know what that journey is, but um, it feels feels good. Anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there. Thanks. Thanks, Luke. Dolly. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? I'm Dolly. I'm an alcoholic. Yep. Thanks everyone for being here for this meeting. I also, um, I love this meeting. I, I just want to start off by saying that uh, in June, I called up a fellow in this program who I've known for 20 years who lives in Park City. And I said, Phyllis, I need you to help me. I need another sponsor because I'm circling the drain. I'm really circling the drain. I need help. And, uh, 
she said to me, okay, um, let's meet next week on the phone and we'll talk about step six. And I opened the 12 and 12 and I started to read step six and I had no relationship to step six whatsoever. I had no idea what she was talking about or what she wanted me to focus on for the next conversation. So that when I spoke to her the following week, I was completely lost. And she said, you've never gotten step six in 20 years in the program. And I said, I have no idea. I have no idea how to do it. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Do I write something? Do I buy something? Do I call someone? What do I do? And um, when she called me, when we spoke this week, I said, uh, let's talk about step six. And we talked for a while and she said, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And I said, I'm feeling fine. I feel good. And she said, you're not nervous about money. You're not thinking about killing yourself anymore. And uh, you're not angry. And I said, no, I think I'm fine. And the difference is what I've learned with this meeting and meditating. And I mean, it takes what it takes, guys. It took me 20 years to get here because up until June, I was obsessed with killing myself every single day, working with sponsees, leading meetings, what I was busy in AA, but I never got it. So I just wanted to say one quick thing more. Randy, you talked about how we failed to consider what other people were going through when we were feeling resentful towards them. And what came up for me was that Years ago, I I, I was married for 28 years, and I've been divorced now for 15 or 16 years. But um, I really tried to get my in-laws to like me. I I used to uh, drive an hour to bring them a week's worth of groceries and unload unload everything to their refrigerator and make them a meal and then do that the following week. And I, I just, I killed myself, and they were... They were so cold and distant to me and they never they never showed me any love. And I did I couldn't figure out why. And the more I couldn't figure out why, the more resentful I became towards them. And the more I would tell my husband, who behaved the same way towards me, Your parents are horrible to me. I'm not gonna go visit them anymore. They really need to apologize to me. They need to apologize to me or I'm never going there again. And you know what? I was always drunk. I was always drunk when I was with them. And they didn't tell me. Nobody told me, we can't stand you because you're a drunk. You need to stop drinking. Nobody told me. And I kept spinning around in circles trying to get these people to love me. And the, the only ingredient that I needed to fix was me. It was just the drinking. And I just never knew. How could I not have known? How could I not have realized? I I saw the bottle in in my riding boot in my closet. I knew how quickly it was going down. Amazing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Dolly.
Sybil. Um, hey, Sybil, alcoholic. Hi, Sybil. Uh, great to be here. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I liked I liked how you're, you know, stumbling. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. Um, I like how you're stumbling around the we're entirely ready, and I was thinking a lot about it, and um, I was thinking that um, it's because we already were supposed to have taken that action. We're entirely ready. We we already are ready, and um, and that's a big step. Then that's uh, a big um, assumption of the steps. <laughs> um, I really liked listening to that. And also what Dolly was saying a little bit, this whole, um, I mean, I never considered other people, period, when I was using. And for, you know, deep, you know, deep into my sobriety. And only lately do I have so much more compassion and empathy for people that, like, it actually really overwhelms me um, to think about everything that everyone's going through. Um, and maybe that's even part of why I drank and stuff. Um, you know, to just sort of, not absorb as much, you know, um, because life is a lot, you know, um, I'm dealing with some health stuff and I'm in a lot of fear, but I think everything will probably be okay. You know, um, you know, have I already thought about my memorial service? Yes. <laughs> you know, um, and living with some regrets and, um, you know, I have this project coming out. And, you know, I'm, like, not that proud of it. And um, But I have to remember it was a reaction to something else that I was working on. that, And I wanted to just do something that was light and fun and sort of stupid. And then, But now I'm like, oh, that's going to be my life's work. And um, where, in fact, it was a reaction to something that I'd working on something else too serious before that project. Um, and so uh, I do actually have a question, which I don't always have. But, like, um, I do this a lot with life, which is like a lot of like regret, like, oh, why did I do that? Why did I do that? And at the same time, I have to simultaneously remember and recall that like I've been a pres I've been present a lot of my life and I made choices and like I'm present for my kids. I'm, I've been present for my life, um, but I don't know why I'm still sometimes filled with a lot of regret. Um, my alcoholic mind really takes that and beats me up about a lot of stuff about, oh, no, I'm leaning on a bunch of sap on a tree. Oh, no, that's okay. Just sap. Um, yeah, so I have a lot of, um, you know, I just live with a lot of regret. It should have been this way. It should have been this way. It should have been this way. I, so if you have any suggestions, I'd love it. Thanks. It was great to hear you today. Thanks, Sybil. Uh, I mean, what it says in the third step is... That when I sincerely take such a position, all sorts of remarkable things happen. I have a new employer. Being all-powerful, it provides what I need, so long as I stay close and do its works well. So, so long as I'm doing what I think God would have me do in the moment that I'm in, then, then it's, it's on God. And what I find is that most of the time when I do what I think God would have me do, uh, my calamity is matched with serenity. And so, so if, I, if I am making the decisions and I am the judger of what's good and what's bad in my life, then I'm going to have regrets because things aren't going to go the way I think they should and then I'm going to regret it. But if I am not being, if I'm not taking response, I'm doing what I think God would have me do today, 
how could I regret that? I mean, I could regret being wrong, but if I'm sincerely trying to be the man that God would have me be today, there's not a lot of regret left in that, in those actions. Even when I get it wrong, because I have a, I personally have a loving, all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, higher power that, that makes, when I make a wrong turn, it turns out to be a right turn. And so, uh, what do they say? Uh, everything works out in the end. If it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the amazing Mary Gold Hotel or something like that. That's the greatest line I ever heard in the movie. If it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. So don't regret it. It's not over yet. Uh, Didi, you're up. Hi, my name is Didi. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. And, I, um, oh, I wasn't sure I was going to share, but, you know, when I was meditating today, something was happening here. There was a... Uh, somebody screaming help 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 like like we're talking like real loud and at first i tried to ignore it and i was like shut up i'm meditating kind of thing i thought it was my neighbors fighting like i'm trying to get special but it kept going on and i have to stand up from meditating and the cops were outside so something's going on i, I don't know but it was hard to come back to my center i came back and just sat down again and and then when you were talking, I just trying to calm down. And when you were saying about looking and trying to see things, but it just, I'm, I just got to say it kicked up my, my own trauma or whatever. Um, you know, I, I was, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say what, whatever came up for me, but uh, um, I was once beaten by this guy in front of a lot of people. And nobody came to my rescue, right? So it's just like, I, I was just back there, just trying to look at, for help. And um, anyway, but it's so, I, um, I wasn't gonna sure that I share because these are feelings and I'm supposed to talk about step six. So I'm entirely ready to have God remove whatever. Uh, my sponsor used to say, you are used to live in your history. Now you go visit. So I don't live in my history, but I just had a visit, an unwelcome visit. So I just got to say, you know, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a child being beaten by a man. <laughs> anyway, so back to reality, back to the now. Um, I also identify with your money thing. I... I just uh, put two deposits for two Africa trips for next year. I'm going in June, coming back and going back in September to Africa. And Africa is a big, expensive thing. But so I put the two deposits. One of them I just paid for today. And I swear to God, as soon as I click pay, it was like, oh, my God, why did you do that? You're not going to be alive next year. And I'm like, well, if I'm not alive, I'm not going to fucking worry about it. Excuse my language, you know. And as soon as I put the click, it was like, why did you do that? Like, you know, you retire, you know, you need the money, you know, you're going to get sick and you're going to need it for the nursing home that you're going to be in. And I'm not in a nursing home. I'm going to Africa with a camera. I'm like, but that's just how it goes. So I'm glad for meditation. I'm glad for God, for the little voice that says no more stories. And I learned that a lot at this meeting. 
you know, when I go there, I go, no stories, no stories. I'm sorry. Not, don't time, no time for stories. And it seemed to stop a little. Jenny, I wanted to share because I was a little disturbed about what happened. And, and I, I need to give myself a hug. Like, you're okay, Diddy. You know, you're not there anymore. So I'll pass. And thanks for listening. Thanks, Didi. Sorry for your trauma. Uh, Phoebe. Hi, I'm Phoebe. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Hi, thank you, Randy. So nice to be here. Um, it's um, as you started, you had me gripped. Like, if I'm not treating my disease, then I'm going to go searching for another solution and all these other things. And um, and I did that. I've <laughs> been doing that. I was like praying and meditating pretty consistently with you guys and like on this really great path and then I started to feel good and then what do I do when I start to feel good and it starts to work I stop doing it it's like oh it worked great (laughs) and then I stopped doing the thing that helped me feel good which is just you know I'm undisciplined and I forgot to let God discipline me so I started to seek solutions and you know who 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 can give me the attention to make me feel okay and it's like that attention's not gonna come from a boy it's got to come from God but um yeah, I can just laugh at myself that like how inconsistent I can be and just like, oh, there you are again. Um, but uh, it's so good to hear you. I love the part that you shared about, uh, you know, if I had known on March 1st where I would be today, you know, I would have been okay. You know, I would have realized that all is okay. And like, I can use that as a reminder that like every time I'm tripping into the future, it's like, oh, well, you've always been taken care of. You know, I've never been dropped. I'm, you know, and it's just that that's the core belief. That's, that's the delusional thinking. That's the, the belief behind the, what did you say? The belief that activates the defects that, um, that like, I'm not going to be taken care of. You know, that's the part that I find objectionable, you know, that I, that I have God, like, God, remove this from me, remove this fear that like, I am not, I'm alone in this world and that I'm not safe and I'm not protected when I, I've, I am okay. I'm okay right here in this moment. And I didn't realize that it says like now twice, we are now ready to have God for some reason, I guess because of now, like now always stands out to me. So we're now ready to have God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable. And then I pray that you now remove from me. It doesn't say that I pray that you remove from me now. It's only the now. And so, yeah, I can really turn it into like an intellectual exercise and it's like, nope, (laughs) can't do that. Like the thinking about it, the knowing that I'm an alcoholic wasn't enough to keep me sober. The knowing that I have these beliefs and these delusions and these defects, like isn't enough to remove them. It's great to know them, but it's like, I have to just give it to God, God, like have all of me. And like the last thing is that how you describe good and bad that, um, you know, the good things that happen and the bad things that came out of them and the bad things that happen and the good things that came I don't even know which way is good or bad or right or wrong or ever. I don't know. I have no idea what parts of me you want to keep or hold on to or what parts will be useful. At certain points, I think my my codependency and caretaking was really useful, you know, and God wanted me to have that. You know, I would grab onto a newcomer and tell them what to do. I mean, I don't think I was keeping them sober, but like maybe God wanted me to step out of my hula hoop and like go try to save someone, you know, and, and maybe now that that same defect that same behavior and belief that I have so much power is now causing me more pain, you know? And it's not until these things cause me pain that I really am willing often. And um, yeah, maybe one day that won't be the case, but usually it has to be painful and, and that's okay. I just try to like welcome, welcome all the things that aren't going my way. Like, thank you. What are you here to teach me? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, it's so good to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks, baby. Man. 
There we are. Hi, family Nan, grateful alcoholic. Hi, Nan. Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, gosh, you said so much, so much. And I, you know, this thing about her, which is sort of, you know, through the steps prior to step six, you know, there's a preparation going on. There's the gutting out and there's a, there's a, um, each step is, is, is purposefully finally orchestrated so that I could have a deeper experience in God, each, each one, you know, in step six and, you know, this commentary that Bill writes in, in the 12 and 12, this one part, it's the last part on page 69, where it says, uh, oh yeah, how very easy exclamation. Sure. I'll head toward perfection, but I'm certainly not going to hurry any. And, you know, there's a lot, uh, that word perfection is used a lot in the 12 and 12 in step six. And, uh, you know, I, it's just my experience that it's, it's written there to give me a sense the vigilance. It's not about, I have to be perfect. It's about moving towards that direction that I'm turning to God. I think Bill says, he says uh, in a couple of different places in his writings and in his letters that I'm seeking and I'm focusing on the perfection of God, the perfection of God. And so I'm always turning to that but it's not always easy, like you were saying. Is my disease being treated? What are these defects that I still hold on to? What are the ones like you were sharing about money? And uh, I, I have uh, one of the things. What is my biggest button? Is um, if I'm tired, mm. you know, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And when I've got like real tiredness going on or I didn't get a good night's sleep, my defects, all the other ones seem to spring out of that, you know, a bunch of like crappy weeds coming out, you know. And so I've got to be gentle. You know, this is this is the gentleness in each one, each one of these steps that I re- rely and I rest in God. I was talking to my sponsor today because I was having a rough morning because I didn't sleep good and my diseasiness started just chitter chattering and I'm like oh man so I go into meditation and it's still chattering and then I'm doing my two-way prayer and it's still chattering and I call my sponsor and I just confess out where I am in the day that I'm in sometimes I just it's like going to the gym sometimes and, and maybe I don't feel like being there. Maybe I don't feel like doing the sit-ups. I don't feel like lifting the weights. Not that I lift weights, but I'm actually in the, the willing to be willing to be willing. I'll do some sit-ups. I'll get on the treadmill because I know that that's part of fitness. And this is spiritual fitness. How emotionally sober do I want to be? Emotional sobriety. Man, it's a real... And it's about cutting off these hobbling demands, these emotional dependencies. I can get through the day if I'm not feeling so... Oh, okay, so I'm not feeling totally myself. That's okay. I'm still going to do the things and, and act as if, confess it out, 
and know that my God is with me. The grace is right now. So, you know, what is that song? Mama said they'll be like this, something like that. It's an old song. Ah, you probably, some of you probably don't even remember. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Nan. Uh, Phyllis. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Rand, so much, so much. Um, Hi, Phyllis. I had, an, I had an experience today that I'm not really energizing, but I can notice when I did. It was a money thing. I went and I got a shot in my face. They said, okay, it's 250 I gave my credit card. I get home. I get a phone call. It's another $650. I went like, I got so reactive. Like, we didn't talk about this. I didn't know this. I'm not paying it. And then within 30 seconds, I, I rightly related myself. Number one, there's a choice that I have. And that choice rightly relates myself to God. And I saw the innocence. They were just doing their job. I have a choice. I called them back. I said, I made I made another phone call to somebody that would write a letter and boom, over. And that's grace. That something like that, that, that would trigger me for days is over. It's just handled. I don't know what the outcome is. It really doesn't matter now. That'll be dealt with, you know, but uh, the trigger for that moment and that that experience that just it was it, not only the lifting, the willingness, like Nan mentioned, thank you, by the way, Nan, for yesterday so much, um, the willingness to choose differently and to really give it to God. And that it's like, wow, thank you, God, for giving me this experience today. Thank you. Thanks for letting me share that money stuff. Thanks, Phyllis. Michael D. Michael, alcoholic. Hi, Michael. Thank you, Randy. As always, really good to hear you and to hear everybody else. And I can't believe that I'm looking forward to 20 minutes of meditation. That's that's a new experience for me. And it's, uh, you know, the way you lead it, it's, it's, it's very... It's very different than my experience from the past. I hated it. hated any form of sin still. Mm. I had to keep busy, busy, box sets, you know, just keep moving. Um, yeah, step um, step six, I mean, I, I didn't think I had any defects, you know, like a lot of people, I guess, come into AA. But it's just the drinking. Get rid of the drinking. By default, I'll be Mr. Wonderful. I really believe that, mm-hmm. you know, but obviously that wasn't the case. For me, it comes back to step three, uh, hand it over. Um, I was still running the show. I'd read the actor. I put it in the eye. You know, I'm like an actor who wants to run the show. Blah, blah, blah. I knew that. I knew that wouldn't work. But still, I kept taking my will back. And you know, the first few years of step three was hand it over uh, when you know it was all going wrong and I was about to blow my life up again. And then take it back. You know, hand it over. Take it back. I'm not going to get the job. I'm not going to get the gal. I'm running out of money. I'll take my will back and then hand it over. And I realized it took a few years, but every exit strategy that I had from a problem was just the entrance door into a new problem. So I was in this mix of going in and out and causing problems and, and uh, I had to give up. And it wasn't the drinking really that got me to look at six and seven. It was unbearable sobriety. Mm-hmm. That was a new experience for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I thought put the drink down and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. And I think a lot of people do. But it was unbearable. It was that second surrender that I'd heard about, which I thought 
talk, mm-hmm. the old times talked about the second surrender. What are they talking about? And uh, I realised that, you know, any attempt by me to remove my defects of character, any attempt that I make is me running the show again. It's me managing. And as it goes back in steps one, two, and three, I'm not a good manager. I cause more problems than I solve. And um, just giving up is the, is the best thing to do. Trying to manage it is horrible. Giving up and just saying, I can't do it. Please, you know, God, whatever it is you believe in, you know, please remove. And, and it's so much easier that way, mm. so much. So thanks, Randy. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Michael. Paul S., New York. Thank you. Hey, I'm Paul. I'm an alcoholic with alcoholism. Thank you, Randy, and thank you, everyone. All the shares are so useful to me today. Um, I I know I tend to make things very complex in my mind and complicate things a lot, but, but ironically, I really appreciate very simple things. Uh, Michael, thank you for God in, ego out. Um, it's, it's something like that that will save me more than one moment in the future, I know. Um, and one of those little things from, from the literature saved me before, it's a simple thing, it's, but to me it was profound. I, I, I um, It's a hobby, I grow it and, and uh, breed orchids, and um, I have a lot of orchids crammed together right now because the weather turned cold and I don't have space for them on the windows and everything, and so I've neglected this to really look carefully. And my, uh, today I discovered that my oldest orchid had something called scale on it, it's a plant affliction. I have no idea where it came from because I didn't bring anything new in, but regardless, and I was, oh my gosh. And, uh, so I, I took it, I isolated it, I took it out. And um, I know from the past with other plants, I took some vegetable soap and water and started washing it down. But it was, the scales like all over this plant. And I started to think, do I have to get it all? You know, do I have to? I think, well, if I don't get it all, it's just going to come back. And what came to mind, and this is like these simple things, half measures of L is nothing. And that came to mind, and everything else fell into place. My will, thy will. Am I doing this? Who's doing this? What is my role? I'm just a body, and my body's an instrument for my use. I'm not this body. It's just doing this task right now. I'm doing what needs to be done. What needs to be done is God's will. And it doesn't have to be a highfalutin thing. It's whatever's in front of me that needs care. Is needs to be done is God's will that I do it um, or that it's done. Take me out of it. So did it take all day to, to clean the scale? No, it took five minutes. And it was so, it was so calming. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was gratifying because I don't think that I claimed anything from it other than it was calm, it was calming. And now I hope that the plant does well. Um, but again, half measures of else, nothing got in, ego out, anything that's simple to help me remember the truth, um, is what I need. And all the complexity is just the mind doing what it does. So thank you again for the meeting. Thanks for all the shares once again. Thanks, Paul. All right, so it's 12.28, so that's pretty much the end of the meeting. Uh, I appreciate you all so much, and I appreciate all the shares. For those of you that haven't been with us a long time in this meeting, one of the things that 
I guess I suggest that you practice is when you first get up in the morning that you open the big book up to page 60 uh, right after the ABCs and you read from page 60 to the third step prayer, which is on page 63, uh, and you change everything into the I, into the first person. So it says, being convinced we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our lives over to God as we understood him. I would change that sentence to be being convinced I was at step three, which is that I decided to turn my will and my life over to God as I understood him. And read 60 to 63 in that in that first person every morning first thing you get to go to the bathroom and then you read 60 to 63 and the first thing that's going to happen is you're not even going to remember that I suggested that you did this tomorrow if you don't write it down <laughs> the next thing that'll happen is you'll read it a couple of days and then your mind will start talking to you about this is ridiculous why would I read this every day and only stupid people would read this every day and and it'll talk you out of doing it every day and that is the disease and that is the complete defeat like i can't do a simple thing like read three pages every morning because my mind is so powerful it will not allow me to do that and it's in the the discipline and the repetition of doing that and crushing the ego every morning, first thing, making it read it. Almost like, it's almost a punishment to the ego because it can't stand it. But uh, it's it's life freeing and it's enlightening and it's unbelievable and it changed my life when I did it. So I would encourage you to do that if you're not already doing that. And uh, you only have to do it forever. So it's no big deal. And uh, I guess that's it. So I'm going to unmute everybody and we will, um, you got Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. If you'll all unmute yourselves, we'll do the serenity prayer together. God. Thank you. Dan, thanks so much. Thank you. How are you, Brian? Bye. Thanks for asking.